And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You guys would not believe the day I just had at work. Man, nothing gets your old man going quite like some good coffee, huh? Uh-oh, looks like someone forgot to do the dishes. <laughs> no allowance this week. What'd you say? You want to be a doctor? <laughs> Well, I thought you'd want to follow in my footsteps and be a Jabberwocky just like me. How many times have I asked you to clean this room? Son, I am very disappointed in you. Good morning, sweet world, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Monday, May 1st, 2023. That's how you start a month with a cold open like that. I'm J.E. Skeets here in the Classic Factory, and alongside me as always, that's Tass Mellis. Podcast listeners, this is for you. Next to him, it's the bearded one, my top shot hot boy, Trey Kirby. Ayo. Ayo. And last but not least, over yonder, super producer, J.D. Hello. There he is. Here we are. Shout out to the stream team joining us live on YouTube. Like the vid. Comment away. Please subscribe if you haven't done that already. Go get your No Dunks merch over at NoDunks.com, especially if you are a fan of one of the eight remaining teams here in the NBA playoffs. They're all there on one graphic for you and a bonus No Dunk shirt in the corner. Uh, but yeah, we got some new gear for the Heat fans, for the Celtics fans, the Sixers fans, the Nuggets fans, all you other teams. We already had one of your shirts, so go grab one if you didn't. NoDunks.com. After this classic, make sure y'all fire up Matty O and JD's latest Is This Good Pod with special guests, us! <laughs> yeah, that's right. The entire No Dunks team on Is This Good this week, and it was uh, an insane episode. We discussed novelty-sized cups, bathroom drug etiquette, Dude Perfect. There was a lot of talk about Dude Perfect. <laughs> a lot of Dude Perfect. Uh, talking to strangers at urinals, gender reveal parties. I mean, so much more. <laughs> and this is one for the ages. Like, it's pure pandemonium when the, all the boys are back together in the factory. If you've ever wanted to hear a word mispronounced, <laughs> this is the podcast for you. Is This Good is definitely good this week. Check that out. Is This Good has its own YouTube and podcast feeds. Just search for it. Uh, all right. Lots to talk about, but we also had some wedgies. Let's get them into the show right now. Two more wedgies over the weekend on Sunday. Obi Toppin, right at the start of the second quarter, JD doing some nice zooming in there. Jimmy Butler's a little nervous. How are they going to get that down? And then uh, in the Game 7, Warriors-Kings, we had Clay Thompson sticking one, too. So 56 and 57 from Obi and Clay. Kerr loves it. We are now, get this, two wedgies away from setting the all-time record. One and we tie it, Tass. Two and we beat it. We're only in the second round. Wow. And there is talk out there on the internet about 60. 60 wedgies is in play. <laughs> Look, I predicted 62 during the preseason. Wow. But that was because Aaron Judge was hitting a bunch of home runs, so it kind of felt like a great meme to hop on board. But you might be right. <sighs> Who would have guessed? That's incredible. <laughs> Playoffs, baby. Incredible. So uh, you never know. On any night now, we could set the all-time wedgie record. Yeah, one to tie again, two to win it. Uh, WedgieTracker.com has even taken down the uh, the pace graphic because oh, yeah. they're just high on life right now. Who cares about the pace? We're at 57. This is just gravy. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, let's get into the Game 7 from Sunday. Steph Curry, 50 points, sets a Game 7 record as the Warriors eliminate the Kings. Hell of a season from Sacramento, but a little too much Steph Curry. A whole lot of loony on the boards. And really, that was it. It felt like two guys sort of beat the Kings <laughs> yesterday. But Curry, uh, you know, maybe, well, definitely on the short list of his greatest playoff performances ever. I mean, I don't know, top five, top three, wherever you want to put it. I just loved how he came out 
and said, you know, screw this, all this off-ball screen stuff we do. Just just give me the rock. And he took 38 shots to get there. Very much more like a, a traditional superstar running the old pick and roll. And the third quarter is when it all went to poop for the Kings, unfortunately. And then the Warriors just spread it. And some sensational Steph stuff. The circus shot, like he was in warm-ups with the, the, the scoop into the lane. Like literally just... In warm-ups, he felt like, you know, I could get into the lane, I'm going to throw it 25 feet, swish, and then soon after, he takes a three-point shot, and Wiggins tried to dunk the putback all over the Kings, Oh yeah, and it went up basically the same height that his previous uh, scoop shot went, and Curry out-jumped Kevin Herter for the offensive rebound, and then he was able to hit a floater in the lane, and that's sort of... The story of the third quarter, yeah. all those offensive rebounds, yeah. two on that play, 13 overall, and in that one quarter, 13 offensive rebounds for one team. Kevon Looney had seven of them. Yeah, those two dudes started started to spread it. And in the fourth quarter, Steph just sealed it. And he stole the ball from Andrew Wiggins. I love that. That play has like seven minutes <laughs> left. Be. Draymond trying to pass it to Andrew Wiggins. Curry said, nah, this is my night. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a stuff of lore. Yeah. He, he steals it from his teammate. We'll get into the pregame or the uh, not the pregame, the speech the day before that he gave to his teammates that Marcus Thompson wrote about where he said, it's time. He got everybody to buy in for game seven and he just did it. Uh, You're right. It felt like two dudes out there. Uh, (laughs) There was five. Yeah. uh, But it felt like those two. So 20 of 38 shooting at seven threes. He scored or assisted Curry did on 66 points in a game seven win on the road in an incredible atmosphere in Sacramento there. And, uh, yeah, by shot or pass, he created 53 of the Warriors' 100 field goal attempts. So this really was all Steph Curry. What's more demoralizing is what I was thinking watching this game. Steph Curry hitting a 35-foot bomb in your face when you're like, well, what am I supposed to do? Or him doing these, like, crazy scoop (laughs) shots, floaters, layups. Like, I don't know which one's worse. Like... On one hand, it's like, oh, the bomb's in your face. But then, like, these, one, these like, trick-like shots that you said, this dizzying assortment of just finishes and flips, and, like, they're sort of, like, layup scoops. It's weird. Yeah, the problem is that they're both super deflating, and then huh. when he misses, you just assume Looney's going to yeah. get the offensive rebound, and that's deflating as well. Looney has become the Draymond Green of this team. Like, the stats are there because he's racking up 20 rebound games, three big beefs in a seven-game series. Super impressive. Uh... But that doesn't even tell the full story of what he's doing because it did feel like in the third quarter, if the Warriors missed, they're just getting another attempt. Yeah. And you got Curry having uh, just a special night for him. We talk about that LeBron game six, the stone face LeBron game. This was like the smiley face Steph game. Yeah. The guy was missing free throws, just grinning ear to ear through the entire game. He's never taken more shots in a game. This is a I'm not losing kind of game. And that's why when you look at a playoff series, you'll hear a lot of people like, oh, I don't really know which way to go. So I'm going to pick the best player. Steph Curry was the best player in this series, and he won him the series. Yeah. 50 points in a Game 7, set the record. They won two games on the road in this series. Pretty impressive. <laughs> they won how many in the regular season? Eight, <laughs> right? Was it nine? <laughs> Something like that? Yeah, close. Maybe it was ten, but somewhere... <laughs> Not a lot. No, they won two. My uh, God. It was big. Where does this performance rank in Steph Curry's playoff career? I have a bit of a list here. I think it does fall in the top five. Oh, sure. If you start way back, sort of at the start of his playoff run here, dynasty for the Warriors, there's that 37 points in a pivotal Game 5 of the 2015 Finals. That was a 2-2 series, 37 in the Finals to get that win. That's huge. He had a 36-8-5 that he dropped in Game 7 against OKC in 2016 when the Dubs completed the 3-1 series comeback. That series remembered because of Clay in Game 6, but hey, not a bad Game 7 there. There was 33 in the second half of a Game 7 in Houston in 2019. Nah, can't be that one. 33 in the second half, no that's KD, a lot. No KD, I think, right? No KD. There was the entire 2019 Western Conference Finals where they swept Portland. Go look at the box score for that series. It's all just lights out Curry games. It gets forgotten because they swept them and all that. And it was like, which game would you pick even from that Western Conference Finals? And then, of course, there's game four of the finals in Boston last year, which a lot of people think maybe was his best game when you consider what it did for that final series. 43 and 10 rebounds to sort of snatch the championship there from the Celtics on the road. That's probably number one, but man, 50 in a game seven. I don't know. It's second or third to me. It's top three. 
Yeah, I think the finals against the Celtics where they're down 2-1 and yeah. looking seemingly out of it in the fourth quarter, pulling them back into a 2-2 series. Yeah. Without that, that series is over. Yeah, it's just finals versus round one here. But it's nice to hear that he's stacking them up because it's it's been over a decade now. that he, Not over a decade. I don't want to be... Uh, the exaggerator. It's been nearly a decade, but one by one by one <laughs> by one by one by one by one. These are impressive. Very, 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 very impressive. And he's not the kind of guy that yells out loud and, and like, talks about himself. So, you know, I mean, he yells. Yeah, well, this guy's one of the biggest celebrators in the game. Tess. He celebrates, but he doesn't, he doesn't talk about himself post-game. That kind of thing. True. Online. He generally lets his game do the talking. Yeah, that, that's no doubt I mean. about that. No, he's he talks on the court, guys. Come on. Come well, on. The guy lit the beam in the middle of the fourth quarter of this game. He's shimmying all the time. The guy's a major trash talker, but he's very nice in post-game comments, <laughs> giving love to his teammates as well. He carries yeah. himself like Michael Jordan with a smile on the court. The guy's a killer. He's a killer. The baby-faced yeah. assassin. He's a killer. The Kings had a chance here, which is wild, in a game seven, until Curry said, Okay, this is my game. And Looney kept grabbing rebound after rebound. They're up at half. The Warriors missed 11 free throws. Clay Thompson was garbage. Outside of the wedgie. Thank you, Clay. Uh, but 4 on 19 from the field from him. Wiggins, not a whole lot from him. Draymond had a sort of quiet game. Obviously a, a, a stud defensively, but didn't do a whole lot on the other end. And the Kings, man, they just couldn't couldn't seize the moment here. Couldn't contain Curry. Good luck with that. And they shot 37.5% from the field and 25.5% from three. And Mike Brown was trying things. We had Terrence Davis in there, Whoops. giving them some threes, but giving a whole lot back on the other end. You know, Sabonis had a decent box score at the end, but they're sagging, sagging, sagging off that guy and saying, go ahead, man, take a jumper from the free throw line. He hit a couple and then got very hesitant to want to continue to shoot them after he missed a couple. Uh, Fox had a rough, rough game, his worst game of the series. Yeah. You know, the finger obviously had some impact on this guy. Really, his handle more than anything. Five turnovers. Felt like, yeah. Um, but it was it was there. And, and look, a hell of a season here from the Sacramento Kings. I don't think you can be upset. Like, bummer. Yeah, chance. You played great for a half, but... You know, this is a team that hadn't been in the postseason forever, and they took the defending champs to a second half of a game seven. <laughs> like you were, you were in it for a good chunk of it. I don't think you can hang your heads. Or no, like the that. champs. Yeah. These are the champs for a reason. They've yeah. done it to so many teams. You listed all the performances that Curry's had. I, I, I saw this in Mark, Marcus Thompson's article about the teams that Curry just slit the throat of. The Warriors have destroyed over the year. The Chris Ball Clippers. The James Harden Rockets, the Damian Lillard Blazers, the Kevin Durant Thunder, the LeBron James Cavs, the John Morant Grizzlies, the Jason Tatum Celtics, and now the De'Aaron Fox Kings, which will hopefully be a bigger team over the next five years. Right. But it just sucked for De'Aaron Fox to get injured and have his worst game in Game 7. But the experience, obviously, was a major, major, major factor in this series, in this game in particular in the third and fourth quarter. Anything else from this actual Game 7? Or should we pivot to, oh my God, Warriors Lakers? <laughs> what do you got in your notes here? I don't really got anything else from this game. It was just literally the Warriors said we're playing our five championship players the entire second half, half, and that's why they won. Like it was close going into halftime, but it didn't really feel like the Kings had a chance, especially once the Warriors just decided to roll with their best guys. I mean, 19 minutes in the second half for Draymond, 19 for Curry. The other guys are 17 and 15. There ain't that many minutes that were actually competitive in this one because it turned into a blowout uh, at the end of the game. So we've talked all season, it feels like, about the Warriors having the best starting lineup and the best top five, and they probably still do because they got Steph Curry. Yeah, and uh, Steph Curry doesn't do a lot of talking in the locker room, but I think it should be talked about that he had his speech to his boys uh, before Game 7 where him and Draymond Green – Apparently started texting each other at 3.45 between Game 6 and Game 7 because they were upset about losing Game 6. They both couldn't sleep. They're both old guys, even though while they're texting each other, they said, uh, I'm pissed that Malik Monk called us old. Uh, that, that That's going to get us <laughs> revved up. But it's good to know, like a, a fellow old guy, can't sleep at 3.45. I'm not playing in the NBA playoffs. I just can't sleep. But uh, those guys couldn't sleep. And uh, Green said, I got to talk to the team. I got to. I got to. I gotta let everybody know what's going on. Curry said, I got this one. And then Green said, oh, you, <laughs> you save, got, it, you you got save it for your podcast. I got this one. Yeah, so before their film <laughs> session, Curry got up 
And a great article by Marcus Thompson. Wiggins said the speech gave him chills, and everybody followed suit. You're getting on the bus. You may be upset about your role. It seemed like he was talking to Jordan Jonathan. Kuminga. Jo- Jonathan Kuminga and Jordan Poole, yeah, for sure. And they got it done, man. They got it done. That was a Because of him. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. All right, let's get to previewing the NBA's wet dream. Steph versus LeBron. Two superstars. Defined. Basically, the past two decades, they meet for another clash here beginning Tuesday night in San Francisco. First playoff meeting between Golden State and L.A. in 32 years, though the Warriors have played LeBron four times. Wait a second. Wait, say it again? First time L.A. and Golden State have played in the playoffs uh, in 32 years. The playoffs. Yeah, the playoffs. Yeah. They played in the play-in. Yeah. Postseason, not playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Warriors have played LeBron four times in the finals over the past eight seasons. Uh, but... What's really wild about this matchup, as we show the offensive and defensive ratings from the regular season and what they did in the first round, is that in late February, the Warriors and Lakers were ninth and 13th in the Western Conference, respectively. And now one of them's going to the Western Conference Finals, for sure. What's one thing to watch in this series here that, again, the NBA must be just ecstatic about this is probably going to set a whole bunch of records here i would assume ratings wise with the star power and the fan bases of these two teams but well the, the the one matchup just to start start with the stars anthony davis and the star of the golden state warriors kevon looney uh, <laughs> those two going at it uh just to see how kevon looney will wear down anthony davis over the course of a series and how anthony davis uh will keep up because he was incredible against the Grizzlies defensively. He was a monster, erasing screw-up after screw-up on the perimeter, just blocking shots. The Grizzlies shot 30% in Game 6, and they went home. Um, But Kevon Looney is a tough matchup, 320 rebound games uh, against the Kings. That doesn't happen very often. First time in like 15 years that that's happened in one series. And Anthony Davis has got a very, very difficult matchup just to deal with that guy. But on the other side, uh, the way Anthony Davis can can beat Kevon Looney, whether it's a play-in game or a playoff series. I mean, he, he can use his finesse. He's, he's faster. I wonder how far he'll shoot out, uh, how, how far he'll take his range out in this series. Um, but that's that's the matchup I'm just watching, how Davis is going to keep up if he can just continue to be a beast. I think it kind of just go, flies under the radar a little bit, how great he was mm-hmm. defensively. So uh, him versus Looney. I mean, this is a guy in Kevon Looney that wasn't even starting for a part of the season. Maybe because Steve Kerr knew he wanted to keep him fresh, and he looks friggin' fresh uh, going into, again, uh, the stealing of rebounds, just the stealing of the ball. Will Davis be able to just match that energy level, and will Looney be able to keep it up? I guess that's that's a fair question, just that. That's going to be the possession battle, and it's going to, I think, come down to those two dudes. What are you watching, TK? Uh, the biggest question for me is LeBron's health uh, in this one. They haven't met in a, in a, fi- or a playoff game in five seasons, and a lot has changed for LeBron. He does not look the same as he did in 2018, and there's really nowhere for him to hide in this series. It doesn't feel like if he's in the starting lineup, like it's going to be Anthony Davis on Looney, most likely, right? Probably Draymond helping off of Jared Vanderbilt, roaming all over the place. LeBron's going to have to chase Andrew Wiggins around. That's a big ask for him. On the other side... Is he going to be able to hunt down Steph Curry the way he used to in the past and control this series from the post the way we've seen so many times? He was not interested in that style of play at all in round one against the Grizzlies. He was kind of content to just hang on the perimeter, shoot threes, push and transition when his body was feeling right. But they need LeBron to be the second best player in this series. They need Anthony Davis to dominate the series to win. I really do think the way he did against Memphis. But LeBron has to be at least as good as Curry is. And he didn't look right in round one against the Grizzlies. Like, Dylan Brooks may have jeopardized his career uh, with the way he trash-talked LeBron, but he was right about some stuff. LeBron doesn't play the way he used to. He just wants to take threes right now. Maybe he was just trying to save that for later on in the playoffs, but now's the series where they're absolutely going to need it. Yeah, it definitely felt like at times LeBron at this point of his career is is picking and choosing yeah when to like lock in when to turn it on maybe he'll settle in those other instances which he did the three-pointer has completely left him I think he is going to have to hit some of these or at least more of a higher clip in this series for them to beat the Warriors here um but yeah how much of it is just LeBron looking at the chessboard you know 10 steps ahead thinking I need to save as much as possible here 
for the next round, and AD's doing his part, and I'm getting like a 30-point game from D'Angelo Russell, and Rui was there early in that series, and he's like sort of letting these other guys chip in just enough to get by Grizzlies in six. But I'm with you guys. AD versus Looney is going to be fun as hell. And it did go under the radar what Anthony Davis did. He averaged, maybe it's because he didn't average a ton of points, but 21 and 14, 49% shooting, 4.3 blocks per game, 1.3 steals, couple assists. I mean, that is dominant defensively against the defensive player of the year in Jaron Jackson Jr. in that series. But yeah, Looney, he looks up for the task right now, mm-hmm. man. Like, you, you know he's going to do work inside. We saw how he played Sabonis, but I feel a lot more comfortable with Anthony Davis shooting those you know, mid-range sort of jumpers there than I do about Sabonis. Right. Um, yeah, He'll so take we'll them. See. He'll take them, for but sure. But they're only worth two. Yeah. Which is going to be a problem because we know the Warriors are going to bomb from three, and then you look at the starting lineup for the Lakers, it's going to be Davis, not a three-point shooter. Vanderbilt will probably start early in this series. I imagine he's going to be unplayable as the series goes on, and Schroeder will be the starter there. And then LeBron... Thus far as a non-shooter. Yeah. So there's going to be three non-shooters, uh, which leaves a lot of responsibility for D'Angelo Russell, for Austin Reeves. It's tough to create inside when there's three dudes just hanging out. And yeah. the Warriors, as we've seen in the past, they are flagrant about not guarding shooters. Like, Jared Vanderbilt's not going to see a defender on him yeah. for the first two games of this series, for the most part. If he can hit some threes, that'd be nice found money for the L.A. Yeah, it'll be interesting if they do get him off the floor and just start to go with guards who can shoot because the Warriors are going to sag. There's no doubt. And it's it'll be interesting to see if Anthony Davis decides to take a, a couple more threes mm. in this series because it's that's not... That's fine. Yeah, if but... the Warriors, that's totally fine. Sure. Um, he hasn't hit it since really the, the in the postseason since they won the title. Back then, he was a three-point shooter. Yeah. And it was a different game how he was able to spread out uh, Looney and Green. And yeah, Green versus LeBron is going to be a primary matchup. I mean, that's that's going to happen a bunch over and over and over again. I'm sure the the Lakers are going to be happy to to let LeBron guard Draymond Green and get some rest on that end to some degree. Uh, but uh, yeah, on the other end, is LeBron going to want to go into Looney and Draymond Green? Is he going to want to drive? Um, because even Green coming into this series, it's not a, quite a Dylan Brooks explicit comment, but he said. LeBron's a different dude. I mean, he is he is playing off the ball more than he ever has. He literally said that. And yeah, he's a passer. And at the same time, like LeBron knows this this Warriors team too. Uh, so will he get up for it defensively? Is he going to be able to run ragged uh, around screens and all that? And this, I mean, this wear schedule, him out. this series too. I I believe it's every other night. It's the There's series. There's no yep. big gaps in this series Zero. because it's getting started so every late. other so night. It starts. And then yeah, every second night you got another game, and will that have an impact on the series? Uh, you know, especially maybe a, a LeBron uh, in particular, but or maybe not. Uh, X factor, Trey. Let's start with you. Who is an X factor in this one? Straight up player X factors. I think it's a guy on both sides who needs to. <laughs> have a better round two than they had round one. D'Angelo Russell for the Lakers, Jordan Poole for the Warriors. Who's going to do less dumb stuff? It kind of comes down to who's not going to throw the game away for their team and make open shots because they'll probably both get some looks. Definitely Russell is going to be getting some looks. It feels like he's a bit of a Ferris wheel himself. He'll have a 19-point game, and then he'll have a three-point game. His turnovers are bad. It lets the Warriors get into transition where they thrive. Poole's turnovers... He has a lot of shooting turnovers, if we're being quite honest, where he just takes a dumb shot. It bounces way out because he's always taking threes. And then the Lakers are able to run. Lakers not a great half-court offense team, so anytime they can be in transition will be big. And then honestly, like, can either of these guys survive enough defensively that it's not killing you in a quarter? There are question marks for both Russell and for Poole. Monk pretty much outplayed Poole for the entirety of the Kings series, and that was a huge part of the way that the Kings were able to stay competitive. Russell, when he's hitting, he gives the Lakers something that they don't have. Creativity off the dribble and three-point shooting. So those are a couple of dudes I'm keeping an eye on. Yeah, Jordan Poole's fascinating here. I mean, he played very poorly in the Kings series. Really bad. He played one good game, uh, maybe, and then some stinkers. His minutes dwindled down there as Kerr was like, all right, well, he's not giving us anything offensively. Let's go with defensive-minded guys. Let's go Gary Payton, whatever. Um, but, you know, Kerr will, of course, play him here. And he could have a bigger impact. I mean, he's obviously an explosive offensive player. Like, I remember it wasn't that long ago we were like, this guy's doing Steph Curry-like things. Uh, But right now, and maybe it's locker room issues or frustration with minutes, he's out of of whack right now. Um, So he is a hell of an X-factor. 
and D'Angelo Russell. I mean, I, I think it's either, I've said this before in the last series with the Grizzlies when I did pick the Lakers, it was like, it just needs to be, who's the third guy on any given night? Is it D'Angelo Russell? Is it Rui? Is it Schroeder? Uh, you know, is it, is there a Beasley game still somewhere? His sort of minutes are completely gone. Uh, that's what the Lakers are always looking for. Reeves has been, pre- you know, pretty solid, and he's had like really high moments. So, those are uh, those are great ones though. In Russell and Poole, anyone else? Oh yeah, I wonder if Russell is going to be able to stay on the floor at times. They're going to run him ragged. Uh, they're going to run him around a bunch of screens. I think you're going to see a lot of Dennis Schroeder uh, because of that. They, I mean, they saw D'Angelo Russell up close and personal for half a season as a member of the Golden State Warriors. I think they're just going to try and take him out of the game as much as possible. D'Angelo Russell can make him pay on the other end. Uh, but I think we're going to see a lot of Schroeder. I think you could see some Troy Brown Jr. Uh, in this series guarding Clay Thompson uh, because he's pretty good at navigating screens, and that's what the Warriors do. So the, the Lakers do have some options with their, their backcourt rotation, and I think the the Lakers are going to play way bigger than the Sacramento Kings did. So yeah. we'll have to see what the Warriors do with their bench. Is Jonathan Kaminga going to be able to play, maybe maybe guard some LeBron minutes? Uh, I think that's a, a possibility. You know, be their sort of their Iguodala of the past and, and get some minutes there. Uh, but Wiggins is the X factor. Have you heard that before? Yeah, <laughs> all every, every series. The Lakers won their season series against the Warriors and they're all post trade deadline games. So they're, you know, they there is something to take from those games. They just sagged. Uh, uh you know, they they guarded the the Warriors Curry and, and Clay, but Wiggins wasn't there, so they just sagged in the lane and defended the lane really well. Wiggins wasn't there for a couple of them and Wiggins is going to have to be big, make them pay, make their bigs come out and, and try and guard them. So there's there's lots to be. This is a this is a chess match. Uh, lots to 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 watch and be excited for rotations sliding up, sliding down, sliding up, sliding down. And, th- and people think the Lakers are just a slow, big plotting team. They can play fast. I know Braun doesn't want to necessarily play fast, but they did. It was the third fastest of the eight series. Uh, the Lakers and Grizzlies was uh, because they can run up and down. Braun doesn't want to, but the rest of them sort of can. So uh, looking forward to uh, how the coaches play this thing. Prediction time. Dubs, Lakers. Mm. Where is Trey Kirby going? Well, this is interesting here. I think the the Warriors clearly have an advantage in the backcourt. They got Steph Curry. We just saw him have an awesome game. He had a one turnover game in a 50-point game. That's a, I'm winning this series, and you can't do anything about it. The turnovers are going to be huge. The Warriors, they do dumb stuff. They've been doing dumb stuff for nearly a decade at this point. And the Lakers just want to throw it back in their throats. But... I don't know. Uh, I feel like it's going to be pretty hard for the Lakers to guard this Warriors team. Anthony Davis, I do think, can be an advantage uh, for L.A. He should be able to play out, outplay Looney, but the effort Looney gives, the physicality, that could give Anthony Davis problems. We just saw John Morant and Desmond Bain completely light up the Lakers. They do not have perimeter defense. Warriors in five. Warriors for me. Five, okay. Okay. Whoa! <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a... <laughs> Rick Flair. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it is true. Desmond Bain was running around screens, and he was comfortable. He had, a, he had a lot of space against that Lakers team. The Warriors are by far the team that uses off-ball screens the most in the NBA and have for nearly a decade. And they do it uh, very, very well. And Clay is going to have some good shooting nights even though he had a stanky in, in Game 7. Curry's going to have some some big shooting. I think Poole will feel better and and be able to uh, uh, to have a, a good shooting night as well. So big, big advantage there. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think they just won't be able to guard uh, this team. And the question is, yeah, will the Lakers' bigs be able to wear down this Warriors team? Um, but I think that a lot is going to be on Green and Kevon Looney. They're going to size up, and Kaminga is going to play a a bunch. But I do think the Warriors' offense is going to be too much. I think it's six. Uh, I'll go Warriors in six. As they were currently constructed when you consider all the injuries, talking about Memphis, which team was better, the Memphis Grizzlies or the Sacramento Kings, in your opinion? I think Well, the Kings played better, for Mm -hmm. sure. So you would go them. Yeah. I agree with that. Uh, although the Grizzlies, you know, put up a little bit of a fight, you know, missing a p- couple bigs, but um, I- I'm leaning Warriors in six as well in this one. Uh, now, part of it is no doubt we just saw what Seth Curry did. <laughs> and you're like, well, he could do that a couple more times. Um, and you said, Trey, earlier on here in this podcast, there's a reason why we just come down to like who's the best player in the series. 
Now, what's fascinating about it is there is LeBron James on the other side. Hell, it could be Anthony Davis as we talked him up here. But, man, Curry right now, does he have a couple more of those in him? I think so in this series. And uh, they've had success before, obviously, against LeBron-led teams. Got him once, but uh, I think they're going to do it for what? That would be what fourth time, basically, here. Uh, I'll go Warriors in six in what is going to be a fun-ass series that is going to have a lot of people watching. Let's hear from you guys, though. One thing to watch, X-Factors, predictions in the end, Warriors-Lakers in the second round. This isn't even the conference finals, for crying out loud. Who you got? Let us know in the comments below. We're going to take our first break. When we come back, we got to talk about the other playoff games from the weekend, the Heat Knicks and obviously the Nuggets Suns. Don't go anywhere. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, here in the Classic Factory, hit that like button if you're joining us live. Make sure you subscribe. A couple other games from the weekend to break down. The first game on Sunday, game one between the Heat and Knicks in Madison Square Garden. The headline reads as such, Hobbled Jimmy Butler serves as decoy in Heat's game one win. He's like a decoy duck out there after getting the ankle injury with about five minutes to go. And there was some truth to that. He didn't do a whole lot while he was out there. The Knicks probably should have went at him a little bit more, get him involved in some action. I think he chucked up a shot on the one end that was like a Airball. bit of a, a last-second bomb that he had no choice but to throw up. But uh, no, Jimmy Closer touched the ball two times in the last five minutes. Touched it two times. He was a decoy. Yeah, and it worked. And uh, the Heat really used a, a big third-quarter run there, 21-5 run, to take the lead that they somehow never relinquished. And they beat the Knicks there, 108 101. So, yeah, it was the takeaway. What happened in the final five minutes that you saw for the Miami Heat? Was it all Kyle Lowry over everything? It was pretty instrumental. <laughs> uh, Lowry was awesome, for sure. So five minutes left uh, when Jimmy Butler gets hurt. It's a one-possession game. And uh, he, he literally was just out there hanging out. Uh, there's great breakdowns by our Fred Katz of Jimmy Butler not getting involved in any action. They, they literally gave the opportunity for the Heat to be able to switch out and put Lowry or Caleb Martin on R.J. Barrett or Jalen Brunson, uh, who were struggling there to finish this game. And so after that five-minute mark, the Knicks didn't hit a shot for like four minutes. Uh, and a lot of it is Barrett and Brunson trying to start up top, but the Knicks, or I'm sorry, the Heat are just too good at guarding that action. And Lowry took over, yeah, stripping R.J. Barrett, yeah. uh, the the old uh, backpedal strip. And yeah, R.J. Barrett started really hot and and couldn't finish the game and Jalen Brunson was decent in two point land, but couldn't hit a three to save his life. And so they're really good at, at guarding up top. They did the same thing with Donovan Mitchell and the supporting Cavs couldn't hit a shot. And in this one, it's sort of what happened with the Knicks going seven of 34 from three. So yeah, that's, that's what, that's the, the last few minutes. It was Barrett and Brunson starting up top. There was no inside out action. And on the other side, yeah, it was. Lowry was phenomenal. It was Vincent and Lowry. Yeah, it was Yeah, a couple of guys that you don't think of as, as the closers for this team because they usually aren't, but the, the Heat are just – they're gold right now. Yeah, that was a bad loss for the Knicks, I thought. The fact that they didn't go at Jimmy at all after he rolled his ankle was a three-point game when he rolled his ankle. It was a ten-point game like four minutes later. It didn't yeah. make any sense. The two best creators – on the Heat, couldn't do anything. Kyle or uh, Tyler Hero's not playing, and Butler, he was like practicing shots in the corner while he was just standing there, but nothing, uh, nothing from the Knicks, and honestly, a brutal fourth quarter for R.J. Barrett. I thought he was really, really bad the last five minutes. Missed a layup, had the offensive foul, had another turnover, blocked by Kyle Lowry, one for two at the free throw line, then finally scored again in garbage time. He had it rolling <laughs> through the first, what, 43 minutes of the game? Yeah. Playing pretty well, well, all things considered, but... 
he was selling it there <laughs> at the end of the fourth quarter. And the fact that he couldn't take advantage of a hobbled butler is a large reason why the Knicks ended up losing this game. I just thought they didn't execute well in the fourth quarter at all. I love this line from Mike Vorkanoff of The Athletic about Lowry, how he was the closer. He said, the old lion who showed he still has something left in him. <laughs> then he talked about the veteran moxie, and he did. He had 18 points. He hit the, the fading baseline jumper that basically iced the game. But he's just hands and activity was like everywhere. He added six assists, five boards, and Lowry had four blocks. A tied a career high for any game in his career, regular season or postseason. Now, I think some of those blocks are of the uh, the steel block variety, because that's Lowry's sort of thing. But uh, they showed up in the box score as blocks. But what a game. And him like just sort of taking over when Jimmy Butler went down. Who, by the way, had a great game up until that point. I mean, he yeah. had 25-11-4 and, and two steals in his 38 uh, minutes. And now we wait to see about this rolled ankle. I mean, it's one thing to sort of hobble around, like visibly hobble around. It's incredible that they weren't really going at him. I don't know what Tibbs was thinking there. But, you know, now after the game, what's the swelling do? Can you get it right? Um, I'm not sure what Jimmy Butler's status is, status is even for this next game. Have they even said, have they even come out and said what he is? All he said was it feels like a rolled ankle. Yeah. Afterwards. That's right. <laughs> Good thing for them. They, Favorable schedule, all things considered. Game two is on Tuesday. That one's going to be a problem uh, for Jimmy. Yeah. And maybe he plays, but you can't imagine he's going to be moving as well as he was in round one or through the first half of this game. But then the next game is game three on Saturday. Oh. So that's a nice chunk of a rest. He probably sits game two, assuming they got the injury since they won game one. Can the Heat team, as constructed with no Jimmy, win one of games three or four? That gets an even more rest if they want to try and risk it. I don't know about that. Jimmy will most likely come back as soon as he possibly can, but that break from Tuesday to Saturday is huge for Miami, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the Heat don't want to pull a Yannis Tetacumpo with the Bucks, who was was sat out game two, and they were 1-1, and they said, I mean, there's a chance, I suppose, that Yannis could have came back in game three, but because it was 1-1, in part, um, Yannis didn't come back, and the Bucks went home uh so yeah i could see butler sitting game two for sure um but yeah a a real lost opportunity there for the knicks who didn't have julius randall in this game and the closing lineup there of of barrett and brunson handling most of of the of the work uh along with robinson hart in the front court and emmanuel quickly who struggled again needed something (laughs) uh they needed just just to stop doing what they were doing, put Butler in action, and get a three-point shooter on the floor. I mean, they, they shot 20% from three. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think game two, they've got to get Quentin Grimes going. Uh, he's he's He was hurt to start this playoff run, came off the bench. And the, the Heat show you, you don't have to start these guys to make a, that, make a huge impact when it all is said and done. Kyle Lowry didn't start this game. Uh, it was monstrous. Caleb Martin doesn't start this game. It was monstrous. Those guys close. And so... Even if you want to start who you want to start, I think Grimes has to end this game um, over a guy like Emmanuel quickly. And, and Randall, obviously, his status would be uh, a huge boost to this team because mm-hmm. uh, you can rely on him. I mean, they just they were just relying on R.J. Barrett uh, along with Brunson, who they were taking away, and that wasn't working. Uh, so the Heat, yeah. Uh, they, again, they, they everything is, is gold. Gabe Vincent had a bad year. I mean, he was shot 33% from three. And now he, in two straight fourth quarters here, to close out the Bucks and to open this series uh, against the, the Knicks. Huge, huge threes. Just yeah. stepping into shots. Monstrous. Kevin Love was released. He had 16 minutes in this game. That's all he played. But it seemed like he played 30 uh, because the, he had a pretty eventful 16 minutes where he's tossing his beautiful beautiful full court passes and going up to Aaron Rodgers, the new New York Jets quarterback and saying, I got a better QB rating than you, pal. I mean, they highlighted his three full court passes in this game. I'd never seen anything like that. That was deflating the way he was throwing three straight outlet passes. Yeah. Like you see it all the time. Like we saw it in the, the Warriors series where Looney would grab like four offensive rebounds on the same play. It's yeah. only one possession. It's only one basket, but it's so deflating. Oh. So by the time Butler caught that third one and it was the one that was kind of the most well defended yeah. of it, he just made a great play just like he did uh, in what, game four against the Bucks, where they just lobbed it up. Like, the guy says, I could play in the NFL. I kind of believe it with Jimmy <laughs> Butler. Not with anybody else, but with Jimmy Butler a little bit, I do. But it felt like those three plays from Kevin Love were like, this happened again? 
I'd never seen that from outlet passing. Just so deflating. The way he was chucking it every single time took the crowd completely out of it. And I thought that was a big changing point. Yeah, the Knicks did that to the Cavs, getting behind their their defense. It it didn't take a a 70-foot pass from Kevin Love. They were just able to do it to the Cavs. And Obi Toppin was windmilling on them there in Game 5. But I I totally agree. The the first one was sort of a, a reg. Uh, but the, the next one where Jimmy got up and was a tight end and got two hands on, that was a tough catch. Jimmy looking great out there. Uh, All right, so game two of this, you said, what, Tuesday night? Um, feels feels like must win here already for the New York Knicks to, uh, to win this series. Like especially they have if there's to, no Jimmy. If there's no Jimmy or, yeah, a, a very hobbled Jimmy. Um, and they just, I think you said a test. I mean, 7-34, to 34, that's not going to cut it from deep. They struggled at the free throw line too. I mean, there's, you're giving away free points in a close game. They missed eight of those, so that's not great. You'd like to see that tick up. There's shots though that they were getting. I wasn't upset with like Obi Toppin. Uh, you know, starting for Randall, he hit threes. He was one of the really the only guys that could actually hit, but he took a whole bunch. That's fine. That's why he's out there. But so I, I don't think corners. that's fine. Like, you don't think so? I don't. Four eleven. I'm not gonna be angry. I think that the the Heat are totally fine if Obi Toppin shoots eleven threes. And that was the Probably. key. To, that was the game plan. It was as soon as the ball gets inside the arc. There's five bodies in the in the lane, basically, yeah. taking things away from Brunson, from Barrett. Those guys want to drive and shoot mid-rangers, mostly. And then they were just living with anybody, shooting threes from outside. Like, Obi Toppin's not a good three-point shooter. 11 threes is way too many for him to take. Hart 0 for 4, Brunson 0 for 7, yeah. Barrett 1 for 5. Uh, like you're saying, Grimes needs to play a little bit more. Quickly needs to play a little bit more, and he needs to play better. But I thought that was the heat game plan. We're oh, packing absolutely. the paint, Pack and we're letting paint. anybody shoot threes. I think New York shot 28% from three in round one. They shot 20% last night, so I don't know who's going to be their shooter, but they'll have a hot shooting game. Maybe it'll be Randall getting healthy. He can chuck. He, he catches He'll fire at shoot times. Him. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, honestly, like 11 threes from Obi Toppin. If he, if he makes 10 threes and beats you, tip the cap, buddy. Yeah, the, uh, the Heat just has seemingly have a lot more two-way players right now. And in this Series and not all playoffs are just about a flow, and so it kind of just sucks for the Knicks to have Randall come back into the lineup. Hopefully, he does, uh, and and then they have to make a, another adjustment. And I think it's playing guys who can play both ways, and that's Grimes uh, a little bit more so. Uh, so it just stinks. It's all about adjustments, and they got multiple adjustments to make. That was a, a bad one to lose there, but uh, yeah, it's it's clear what their game plan was. We're taking away Brunson, all eyes on him. And if you want to pick and pop with Obi Toppin, have at it. Toppin popping. <laughs> Obi Toppin. He be popping. Um, Jamal Murray scores 34. Nuggets beat the Suns 125-107 in game one. Jamal Murray looked great in this one, 13-24 on Saturday night. Six threes, nine assists, five boards, two steals. Um, probably had the play of the night when he stole that pass and then sort of split the defenders there. I think it was Chris Paul and Durant sort of going between two of them and then flipped it high off the glass at full speed with Kevin Durant uh, trying to chase him down. So an incredible game from him and really an incredible performance from the Denver Nuggets. They looked amazing in this game one. Everybody contributing uh, for the Denver Nuggets. And and you wonder, uh, if you're a Suns fan, how concerned you are after just one game where you got outclassed pretty handily. The Nuggets looked freaking phenomenal. Jamal Murray to start the game uh, was a magician. Uh, You mentioned that play where he has uh, Chris Paul on one side. All right, I'll kind of just scoop through, and then, all right, I got Kevin Durant. I got to go behind the back now. I mean, he just was able to get through two guys. And if there are the the casual fans out there that don't know Jamal Murray, which is totally understandable, he hasn't been in the postseason since the bubble, and he is making his name known. And I think the Nuggets' depth – showed through not necessarily their bench but if you've got Murray and Jokic kind of offsetting Durant uh, and Booker uh, I thought Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter Jr. were so good I think they they were so patient Porter had opportunities to shoot early on in this game but him and Gordon just went at the Suns bench when the Suns went uh, to their bench a little bit that's when those guys went to work I thought they were really really great Porter was making extra passes then then they dominated him and, and Gordon dominated that second unit. So uh, even though uh, the Nuggets don't have a lot of great bench players contributing, they only have three. They only got the compost trio of a brown, brown, green. Those guys, <laughs> uh, along with uh, the Jokic, and, and I'm sorry, the, the Gordon and, and Porter minutes, those were the guys who were able to, to spread it a little bit 
and the depth showed. So so if you got your top twos kind of offsetting each other, I think the, this third and fourth option here uh, for the Nuggets were were monstrous. Um, not to mention KCP, who was really, really good in that second quarter. The bombs were raining down, and they hit a ton of threes. Can they shoot like that again, I think is a fair question if you're right. a Suns fan. Um, but it feels like they've got the, the parts. <laughs> it feels like they absolutely know the rules. Uh, the, the discipline porter stealing a ball from Booker with five minutes left in that first quarter. I mean, they're just they're doing it all. So many two-way guys. Yeah, Aaron Gordon helped break the game open in the second quarter. He finished 9-13 to shooting 23 points. But you do wonder if the Suns are just going to have to live with it. They're going to have to maybe say Aaron Gordon's going to have to like try and beat us here. Because the pick-and-roll game between Jokic and Murray, good luck trying to contain that. You're going to have to focus on that. So it leaves Michael Porter Jr. and Aaron Gordon and Brown and KCP shots. Like, KCP didn't even shoot well. He's getting wide-open looks. So, concerning here, no doubt. I took the Suns in this series, and after one game, I'm like, oh boy, uh, Denver looks locked in here. Aaron Gordon's on his Andrew Wiggins-like run here. <laughs> you know, like, what he did in the first round, you know, his shooting splits are unreal. He never turns the ball over. Uh, and what he gives you defensively as well, I mean, he gives you 23 points, so you're laughing, and you like your chances to win a game where Jamal's the best player. And then Jokic is still a monster. What did you think, TK? What were your takeaways from Game 1? If the Nuggets play this well, they're going to sweep the rest of the playoffs. That was a perfect game for Denver. I mean, basically the only criticisms you would have is that Jokic couldn't finish that well inside. But when he did, he was just playing volleyball until it finally went in. But huge Murray game. Jokic was still a force, even if he wasn't the best player on the court. 16 threes, forced 16 turnovers, turned the ball over nine times. You'll beat every team in the league if you play that well, to be quite honest. But Denver, to me, in this game showed that they are going to have a big-time athleticism advantage. Uh, Like, Michael Porter Jr., not a great athlete, but he's almost Kevin Durant's size. He can move. He was contributing defensively, challenging from the back uh, on screen and rolls, and that was impressive to me. And like you're saying, Gordon, I don't really think he's going to go three for four from three, but he's shooting wide-open shots. Kevin Durant is not going to be closing out on him at all. He knocked him down last night, but then he was also able to contribute on the glass, score inside as well, and then... They were forcing turnovers. They got a lot of long wings who just like to get in passing lanes. The Nuggets have pretty good positional size from like one to eight, basically. And there's a lot of question marks for Phoenix after you get past their top two players, really, because I thought this was a pretty bad DeAndre Ayton game. Low effort on the glass. There are so many clips yeah. where you just see him standing underneath the rim while Jokic is tipping it back and forth until Gordon finally gets it. He was even worse in pick and roll, I thought. They were just any time he would step out to a perimeter player. He would be there. He'd have his hand up, and they're like, sorry, man, you're two steps away. I can just shoot a three over you. It was a terrible game uh, for Aiton, so he needs to be a lot better. Uh, They need to take more threes. (laughs) That's a huge talking point coming out of this one. There are shots that Booker could have taken, Durant could have taken, Chris Paul could have taken, where they just need to shoot threes instead of dribbling into twos. That's hard to figure out when you're just getting used to playing with each other and you're used to catching the ball and going to work. They just got to take threes. So some more Booker and KD action I think would be big because the Nuggets are totally okay if DeAndre Ayton touches the ball as much as he did. Yeah. Who cares if he shoots a 15-footer? Literally nobody because you're going to score on the other end. The other thing is Devin Booker needs to guard Jamal Murray. Mm-hmm. You can't mess around with Landry Shamit. Chris Paul has no chance. Torrey Craig couldn't do anything mm-hmm. with Murray. We talked a big game about Booker in round one. He was playing awesome defense. Do it against Jamal Murray. Yeah, try and contain him. Yeah, that three-point thing is a huge talking point after this game. We knew it going into the series, talking about how the Suns just don't take a lot of them and the math problem that maybe is going to rear its ugly head. It did in game one. Nuggets outscored them 48-21 to from three. This is a game where the Suns didn't shoot all that poorly from the field, but just very little three-point shots, attempts, and then obviously makes to the Nuggets, sort of letting it rain there. Again, that pick-and-roll action between just Murray and Jokic to then kick out to wide-open shooters, they were rolling. Monty Williams after the game said, I thought they were just more physical. They played with more force. We got to regroup and do a much better job of playing with some pace on offense. And just one more coaching note. I loved Malone calling a timeout 32 seconds into the start of the second half. I absolutely loved it. He saw something right away like, okay, wake the hell up here. Uh, you know, we're sort of, we're up. Hey, we're not we're trying. Comfortable. Yeah, I loved it. It was great. Um, that That's just good coaching because it obviously got them going here. And it was a bit of like, all right, geez, yeah. 
I know we feel like this game we're coasting. It's got maybe the regularly season regular season feel, but that was, that was a smart move by him, I thought, and it, it obviously sort of triggered them and got them back in in the swing of things after it, that awesome second quarter. Yeah, this is going to be a blast of a series. The Suns aren't dead by any no, means. I mean, no, Devin Booker no Devin Booker had his slowest game of round one in game one, uh, so that. that is a good sign. I thought the Nuggets were doing a good job of getting the ball out of his hands early. The on-ball picks, I think, are a mistake for the Suns. They, I think they totally. need to do more of Devin Booker, down screens, you know, classic shooting guard stuff, or, you know, misdirection. There was a great play in the third quarter when they decided, all right, they're just swarming our pick and rolls and getting the ball out of Booker's hands. So Chris Paul's running the pick and roll, and then here comes Booker grabbing the ball one-on-one, doing something with it. It is odd when you look at the the scoring numbers that Durant and Book had good games, um, but the 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 third the, we need an, another option because they they were able to hit half their shots. That's pretty good. <laughs> but the the Nuggets are gonna out rebound uh, the the Suns. That's that's gonna happen, and especially with Jamal Murray being the best version of it he's ever been. I mean, he looks phenomenal. That takes pressure off Jokic, and, and he keeps him fresh uh, for the boards. So I don't know. I don't know about this math thing that we talked about coming in. The Nuggets shoot way more threes. They're going to get the offensive rebounds. I don't know if they're going to shoot threes. I don't know if Chris Paul is going to be able to just pull up and, and shoot threes. Uh, and and the, the Suns' supporting personnel – they they tried in this game to to get you know Damian Lee some shots and and Landry Shamit some shots, but they may just have to kill him by two and and the free throw line. But uh, Book's really going to have to go for forty. Uh, I think that's going to have to happen in this game because uh, uh, they have they have they don't have a matchup for Jamal Murray, but Booker should be able to um, to get off. But Bruce Brown also was awesome off the bench and guarding him and and they've they've got they've got the best bench player in this series in, in Bruce Brown he's doing a lot uh he had a monstrous game in this one got some news here talking about another series moving over to the Eastern Conference Sixer star Joel Embiid doubtful for game one tonight his knee injury is considered to be more serious than a grade one LCL sprain Doc Rivers said Embiid didn't practice Saturday uh he's gonna be reevaluated daily but I think as of recording this podcast going live here on a Monday morning, he is still doubtful, and we don't even know if he's going to play in a game two. Um, so let, let's talk about this. You guys thought this was some gamesmanship here. Maybe it still is. Still hasn't missed a game in this Doc series. and mm. Philly. Um, but how can Philadelphia fare without him beat if he's not here in game one at the very least against the Celtics starting tonight? How can they fare? Yeah. yeah. I, I, there's not much hope uh, without him. Uh, I I think that uh, yeah the reports are even though he is out there he's just standing around being stationary so it's worse than initially expected so uh, game one's a question but so is game two yeah um yeah, this, is just, this is terrible stuff year after year after year after year after year after year he said coming in to this season I'm gonna be fresh for the playoffs because I've never had a completely healthy playoff run and here we are against the best team in the eastern conference in the boston celtics and will he be able to suit up i don't like watching this footage of him at shoot around literally being totally stationary mm-hmm. not doing anything so especially when I, you consider it's like it's not like it happened in a game seven and it's a quick turnaround to the start of the next series you're like oh he's only had two days this was a long time ago that he injured himself here this is like 10 plus 10 days or whatever it was in in game three against the nets yeah, that's I, a big window, April and for him to still be played. doubtful is, you know, that is not good. Unless they are completely, you know, sandbagging us here, and Joel Embiid is out there at the start of Game One. I don't think so because if you, yeah, unless he was doing a hell of an acting job in some of the clips you're seeing, it wasn't moving. It's not moving much. No, uh, they went. But neither did Real Willis Reed. <laughs> that's right. They're going to need more Put, than four points, on, man. Yeah. Like Embiid's got to play. The guy's going to win the MVP. Probably on Tuesday night. And he's going to miss the first two games of this series? That's that's bad stuff. I mean, I if he's not able to play, he's not able to play. But just get out there. Like, just play three minutes and come off. Give the team a bit of a boost or something like that because they don't have a chance if Embiid doesn't play in this series. So what, they're going to bring him back for game five? That'd be nice. Or for game three is on May 5th. That's a big chunk of time you would have off. 
16 days if he doesn't play games one and two, but the series could be over if he doesn't play well, games one and two because I don't think Harden has it in him to put the team on his back right now. Yeah, I And mean, that's what it would have to be, Harden winning every ISO against Marcus Smart and Derek White. If he doesn't play these first two games in Boston and Bede, then it's like the exact same thing that happened last year. It's like hilariously similar. Different injury, but he goes into the second round series against Miami Heat last year. He misses the first two because of the concussion slash you know, facial fracture. They lose both those games. He comes back, and they eventually lose in six. So what? They split, you know, generally uh, the rest of them there. But this would be the exact same thing if this is uh, how it goes and Embiid doesn't play in game one or game two. So it would be very, very disappointing if this is what how it goes down. Now, last year it was uh, DeAndre Jordan, I believe, getting the nominal starts <laughs> at yeah, center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, B-Ball Paul did see some action, but he'll be starting here. And he's, you know, he looked good there in that game four as a, uh, as he's probably one of the best backup centers in beads had at this point of his career where he's gotten in his career. So uh, maybe it gives him a, a chance. So you go PJ Tucker, small ball five, you do that. I think this is what he's going to try and figure out. I don't think Montrezl Harrell and Dwayne Deadman are going to be the answers, but who knows? It's Theragun himself. No, yeah. it's on Maxi really. I, I know Harden's going to have the ball in his hands to create, but even if he doesn't shoot and score, Maxie's going to be that secondary creator. I think Harden's got to get into the teeth of the defense, but he hasn't looked good inside two-point line at all. It's been very, very bad uh, You know, in the, in the 20s of percentages. So Maxie has to be that secondary creator to score. He's the guy that has an advantage on this team, in this series even. Um, but they don't have many advantages, and Joel Embiid is the, the, by far the biggest one. And He's not going to be accepting that MVP in front of his home fans. That's uh, I'll I'll stick with that prediction because uh, <laughs> if you're down in a series and out and uh, well yeah I mean hopefully he'll be back for game three or game four um, but if you're down I, I don't think he's going to accept it. Right. He's going to say nah. So Tuesday night, off. Tuesday night is huh. the TNT announcement. That's when we find out who the MVP is. Everybody thinks it's going to be be Embiid, and you don't even think come game three in Philadelphia. Whether he's playing or not, that they'll do a, a pregame celebration and hand the man the MVP trophy in front of the fans. I say, of course, that's going to happen. You don't think so, though. Yeah. But have no that right. No chance. Okay, okay. Yes, you okay. have that right. Okay, okay, okay. You think that you think he's going to come out and accept it after being down in the series? <laughs> after the guy's been being talking out? about winning MVP Yeah, I do, actually. Straight. A, a nah. lot. A lot. Nah. Especially because hopefully he's at least playing by that game. Right. Right. But he's injured again. And so it must be deflating. Oh my god! Uh, for the for the entire fan base, it sort of sucks for this series—a series that like we had been talking ourselves into for so long. I and mean, like, it could be very well could be really the Eastern Conference Finals. Like, oh, whoever wins this, probably going to represent the East in the finals. You know, no disrespect to the Heat or Knicks, but it does feel that way. They're going to be the favorites. And now we come into it, and it's like, oh, it's like, oh, okay. I mean, it was already going to be difficult if Embiid was full health. Yep. The Celtics are like they have the personnel. In Al Horford and Grant Williams would get some minutes. You got Time Lord there at the back. Like it's always, it would be hell still even for Joel Embiid. Um, but without him, I mean, I am. You say Maxi and all that, but then you got Smart, you got Brogdon, you got White, you got Jalen Brown. I mean, I mean, they have this, the the most amount of capable perimeter defenders of any team in the league. It's the just slower guy. It's just Maxi. It ain't Maxi and all that. It's just Maxi who is the only guy who can really make anyone pay with his speed. Of course, yeah, they've got great perimeter options, but I think it's got to be Maxi is sort of a secondary option. It's not him just taking the ball and scoring. Harden's got to be good at drawing the defense, and then it's got to be Maxi. And hopefully, Toby has a series. Yep, just trying to just trying to dream up. Well, Blue sky. It. How do the Sixers win it? It's they it's need the Celtics to mess around far. too. They've they've shown that oh, they're yeah. a little inconsistent. They'll play with their food and. You know, they got to hope that's the mindset that Boston has. Now, you wouldn't think they would as the series get more and more important and the competition gets better and better. It's like one thing to do it against the Hawks. You really shouldn't be doing it as you move forward uh, against a great Sixers team and beat or not, but they could. They had a fourth quarter collapse yeah. in a home elimination game yeah. against a uh, seventh seed. So it can definitely happen. They take half their shots or threes. If it's a bad shooting night, you can lose against anybody, especially if the, Sel- or, uh, the Sixers decide 
we're going small and we're just shooting a ton of threes, yeah. which is probably their best move if they can't get anything from Embiid. But yeah, it's impossible. You'll never want to take the Celtics in a sweep because you know there's one game that they're just going to be foolish. That's a good point. Yeah. I-, I was going to ask you. Except against I- the I Nets. I believe we all oh, yeah. had. Uh, <laughs> I believe we had Celtics in six, all three of us. When we were like thinking, ah, Embiid's probably going to play. Well, what are they doing here? This is all gamesmanship. Would you change your change your prediction if Embiid can't play game one tonight? Would you no, change I'd, it to five I'd or stay, sweep? I guess okay, I'd you'd stay. stay? Same, yeah. TK, uh, I think I I'm I'm on Celtics in five now. I was Celtics in six, but Embiid is that shoot around shooting around. <laughs> That's what they do today. there. Yep. All right. Hey, hey look. I think he's going to play. Oh, that would be big. That would be big. He's uh, only shooting. <laughs> he's not moving much. But it's it's like, alright, we it's just like saw Jimmy. Tibbs and uh, yeah, the Knicks not even going again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. move. Maybe there's just like an unwritten rule in the NBA. It's like, hey man, that's pretty ballsy. Leave him alone. That guy's out there hobbling around. <laughs> we can't go at him. That's not fair. <laughs> Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for those warm summer days. Pool season's coming soon, so I've been hitting the weights with Peloton and my guy Adrian Williams, trying to get my muscle on in order to expand my cannonball splash radius. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. It's easy to personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals. There are a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, or marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in. And their expert coaches and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. Shout out to Adriana Aditi, Andy and Emma. I love you all so much. Whether you prefer to run outdoors Row or ride at home or strength train at the gym, Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. I gotta get something off my chest. Nothing drives me crazier than sending a message to a group chat and getting no response. That's why I'm a big emoji responder. Love a hang loose hand or a salute, but man, it hurts when you send a message and get nothing back. Ouch! We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. Designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash NoDunks today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash NoDunks. This episode of NoDunks is brought to you by BetterHelp. All right, let's get to Tweet of the Night. Mm, Tweet of the Night. Wow. Twitter. Yeah, Tweet of the Night. It's actually a screenshot of an Instagram story. This one comes from Jack Harlow by way of BetMGM Canada. What am I even saying right now? Here's Jack Harlow's Instagram story. He was sitting courtside at Heat Knicks in the garden last night. Kyle Lowry just took a fadeaway three and landed in my lap. The rumors are true. His shit was like a pillow. <laughs> Kyle already got big old butt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he fell on Jack Harlow. And Jack Harlow now says that it's true. Kyle Lowry's butt is big and Confirmed. soft. <laughs> Confirmed. <laughs> and that's your Jack Harlow courtside report. <laughs> awesome. Jack Harlow's cheering for the Heat or... He's got a song called Tyler Hero. Oh, yeah, he is. Seems to be friends with Jack him. Harlow. He's from Louisville, Kentucky. <laughs> so he's a Southern boy. Good old Southern boy. He's a Miami Heat fan. The only other Harlow uh, headline I saw, I think I saw it on Twitter, uh, he believes he's the second greatest white rapper ever <laughs> after Eminem. 
<laughs> Jack okay. Harlow saying he's number okay, two. <laughs> who's, he, who's he replacing? <laughs> Bubba Sparks? <laughs> uh, Paul Wall? <laughs> oh, the Iceman Paul Wall? Got in my mouth looking something like a disco ball? Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know who Donnie, else is there. Donnie Wahlberg had a verse or two. MC <laughs> Paul Barman? Beastie Boys? You, I think Beastie you Boys, can, oh, yeah. Beastie Boys. I guess you would probably say... Yeah. You'd lump them. Yeah. Hmm. That's a good call. Who's the best rapper in the Beastie Boys? All right, Boys? tell us. MCA? Is, is Jack Harlow right? <laughs> is he number two? Jackman Harlow. He's got a new album out, doesn't he? I think that's what's going around. I don't know. Uh, pretty sure he does. <laughs> the only Jack Harlow song I've ever heard is if there's a song in that New Balance commercial with Kawhi Leonard. Because I've never heard a Jack Harlow song. <laughs> no, he performed at uh, All-Star Weekend. So you heard some songs. <laughs> no, I didn't. Yeah. Uh, I've heard you listen to the Tyler Hero song. <laughs> How dare you say we that? We got you, me, man. Ain't no way. You're the, Ain't biggest, no way. you're the biggest Jack Harlow fan. Yeah, it's true. It's true. We're I'm going... the second biggest white rapper fan <laughs> on earth. What about Dave people? Bird? <laughs> like Lil Dicky. Oh, uh, yeah. I also haven't heard a Lil Dicky song He's in 10 joke plus rapper. years. Yeah, yeah man. Oh, so it's Jack Harlow, right? No, he's not a rapper. I mean, is he a rapper? I wouldn't even call him a rapper. He's Who? like a Harlow. He's like a singer-rapper. He's like a... Well, I think Jack Harlow considers himself a rapper. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I'm not I asking. I'm a not asking. I don't know. <laughs> sure. Anyways, we're going to see him Saturday night in Vegas. So you're going to see more of his uh, more of his stuff. Yeah? Right. Yeah, you got tickets. Um... Usher Friday, Harlow Saturday, back-to-back Jacks. <laughs> Jack Usher. Well, all the celebrities were out there in Madison Square Garden. For game one, all your all your staples. I man. love it. I love it. Get them all together to see the Knicks lose a home game, just like old times. <laughs> that's that's crazy, man. It's crazy that that would happen to Patrick Ewing. Oh yeah, yeah, he was there. He had a he had a cap he on at there. one point. Yeah. Took it off though. Did you see him in the? Uh, <laughs> I guess I did see Beach him actually. When you make it? Yeah. When you mention it? Yeah. <laughs> and then you had your Stillers. And obviously your spikes. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And They've seen a lot of home losses. Yeah, yeah, They're yeah. used to it. Drawing a blank on a couple of the other classics. John, uh, Michael J. Fox was there. Oh, yeah, that's right. Pete Davidson. Pete Davidson. Uh, Peter in the morning. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Taco Bell. <laughs> Not an ad. I don't remember who else I saw. Was Tim Thomas there? I thought I saw Tim Thomas. The Bruins goalie? No, you silly. Oh, uh, the, the, the basketball guy. Tim Thomas. Yep. Hmm. Tool man. <laughs> uh, all right. Good tweet of the night. Great photo from Jack Harlow there and his legs touching wood, sitting courtside. Uh, let's call it there. Two games on tonight. Very excited uh, as we hit the second round here. So we'll be talking about them tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Eastern, live from the Classic Factory. Make sure you check out Is This Good? The whole crew, all five of us, got the band back together, chopping it up, talking about some insane topics on Is This Good? It was just, it felt like it was just. Joke after joke after joke after joke. Matty O was... He was drowning in jokes, man. Here in the factory. In the dungeon. Uh, But it's a lot of fun, so check out Is This Good. But otherwise, hit that like button, subscribe, go get your No Dunks merch over at nodunks.com, and get yourself an athletic subscription. We only referred to, like, three or four athletic articles here on this podcast, so go to theathletic.com slash nodunk, get yourself a subscription, so they know that we sent you. And you can read all this good stuff that we're always talking about. Until then, what the hell? <laughs> the music's like coming in and out. It's sort of cool. It's that new Jack Harlow. Is it cool? I don't it's know. What's, cool. what's going on? I have no idea. All right. Technical problems. That's okay. Uh, Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, another great white rapper mentioned here in the chat. The dude who sings Informer. That's Snow. Oh, Snow. <laughs> Canadian legend. Leo Goman says that in the chat. The first thing Leo Goman has ever said of use ever. <laughs> Shout out, Leo uh, Snow. <laughs> Snow, baby. Finally did it. Way to go, Leo. Good comment. Grace the day, people. <laughs> <laughs>